0: This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. This morning I continue in a series called Acts, Where It All Started. The book of Acts, Where It All Started. And I want to take you to the book of Matthew chapter 3. While you're turning to Matthew 3 and letting you find that, it's your first book of the New Testament. I want to promote something huge for the ladies of our church. For all the chickadoodles, this is for you. Uh, For all the ladies of our church, we have an incredible summer party. And it's happening on Friday night, July the 26th. If you received your worship guide when you came in, the little announcement, insert the very top. Is your ladies' ministry party? It's right there, and it's for you, and it's 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 totally open. And I just I just want to lean on you a little bit, okay? Let me let me do this. You guys hardly know anyone probably in the eight thirty, and there's a large number of you that may not even know folks in the eleven thirty. These type of events are set aside for you to get to know one another. You'll make great friends. You'll connect with old friends. You'll laugh and cut up. Denora and a a wonderful group of ladies. It's all planned. It's all ready. We just need you to show up and enjoy your night. And all the information's right there on the insert. And then the second thing is there's a connection card. If you're a guest today... If you'd be so kind to take the time, just to kind of fill out that connection card on your way out. There are two containers that you can place those connection cards in, and we'd love to connect with you further. And then, my last thing before we get to Matthew 3 is after this service, every single Sunday, when this 10 o'clock concludes, we have our next steps. Uh, of information that we provide to anyone and everyone that's interested to know more about our church. And it happens upstairs in this building. You don't have to go next door. All you need to do is go to the lobby, go upstairs, and our team will be there to meet you and greet you. We don't want you just just to visit. We don't want you just to attend. We want to get to know you, and we want to do life with you. And that all happens in Next Steps. You're going to be hearing that, that term a little bit more. Uh, I've learned as a senior pastor that Growth Track served us for a long time. But I find myself having to do a little bit more explaining than I need to. And Next Steps, it's, it's what's created for you to know what your next step is. And it's real simple. It's right upstairs today, okay? To the book of Matthew, chapter 3. Matthew 3, the reason we're going there and not straight to the book of Acts is because there's something that takes place in Matthew 3 that is critically important to understand the remaining of our day today. I'm preaching today on this subtopic, a consuming fire. A consuming. I mean, it just, you can't put it out. It's a consuming fire. And I want to take you to Matthew 3 and let's look at Verse number 1. In those days, John the Baptist, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. As you continue to read, you'll see that John led people to water baptism for repentance. Then we will see in Scripture where John says, "There's coming one after me that I'm not even worthy to take off his shoes." And we see what or we see who that is, and we see what he will accomplish whenever we begin uh, to read here, let's look. At verse eleven, I indeed baptize you with water into repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. It's very interesting. Verse thirteen. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. What a beautiful example that Jesus is presenting to us as believers of water baptism. John forbade him saying, I have need to be baptized of you, not not me baptizing you. But Jesus said unto him, Suffer it to be so now. This is the plan of God. I need you to baptize me. And Jesus, when he was baptized, very critical scripture for today, when Jesus was baptized, he went straight up, he went up straightway, rather, out of the water. And lo, the heavens were opened unto him. Who is him? It's Jesus. He's coming out of the waters of baptism under John's baptism. And the heavens above him were opened up. And Jesus saw, he, he saw with his own eyes, the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And he heard, he saw And he heard the voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. This is so beautiful to see because this is one more fine example of revealing to us, the readers of the New Testament, the gospels. It reveals to us that there are two. There are two distinct, there are two different experiences of the Holy Ghost and i really want to drive this home today you know as well as i and if you don't welcome to this revelation that jesus was born of the spirit mary his mother a virgin never knowing joseph in sexual intimacy the bible says that she was overshadowed by the holy spirit this is the it, this is the beautiful um The the incarnation of Christ. This is the beautiful impregnancy of the Holy Spirit to Mary. She said, so be it unto me. And the Holy Spirit brought life in Jesus Christ. That, ladies and gentlemen, we see that Jesus was born of the Spirit. But we also see in Scripture that coming up from the water of his personal baptism, that the Holy Spirit It came upon him. And here is where we take off in this sermon. It's important that you realize the progression of things. Jesus Christ, the one that we celebrate all the signs and wonders and miracles, just for a few examples. He fed 5,000 people with just a small sack lunch. He healed blind eyes. He called weathered arms to be straightened. He brought Lazarus to life. You know what I'm talking about. A lot of really phenomenal miracles are recorded. But none of them happened Before the Holy Spirit came upon him. All of the miracles recorded happened preceding. They followed rather. They followed his Holy Spirit baptism when it came upon him. The reason this is important is the same model that we see in the disciples. The disciples came into their regenerative work of the Holy Spirit. After his resurrection He's seen among them for 40 days, the Bible says. And he stumbles into a room where all of his disciples were hanging out scared because they thought they were going to be crucified next. And he he walks into the room, which is odd. He just shows up and he says, it's me. And, And there was Thomas doubting and a lot of other things took place. But once they saw the scars, they have now... They have now been touched by the resurrection power of Jesus, the work of the Holy Spirit. And they put their faith and confidence in Jesus right then and there. And this, ladies and gentlemen, is when they were indwelt. They, they, had, they had the within work of the Holy Spirit when Christ said, he breathed it on me He said, receive you the Holy Spirit. Now, there's a lot of you in this room. There's a lot of you in this room that you're familiar with something called the upper room in the book of Acts. That's a, that's a whole other encounter than what happened for the disciples here. But their model is similar to Jesus' model. Because when Jesus gathered them together at the mountain of ascension. He preaches this outstanding sermon. I, I wish it was saved in the cloud right now because it's phenomenal. He preaches this outstanding sermon. That they need to go and they need to tarry in Jerusalem until they be endued with power. This is how the Bible puts it. Acts chapter one, Acts chapter one, records in verses three and five, I'm sorry, three through five in verse eight, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them for 40 days, and speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God, being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith He. You've heard of me. How would they have heard? Because in John 16, he tells them that he was going to pray that the Father send another advocate that would empower them to do the work of God on earth. Verse 5, for John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Verse 8, and you will receive power. Everyone say power. power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you. These are believers. They already had the work of the Holy Spirit within them. Now he's leading them to a second work of grace. This is the fullness of the Spirit. When the Holy Spirit would come on them to do what? What was the purpose of it? To be witnesses to all the world. Now let me do this in another way today for a few minutes. I'm in to present to you These two distinct works of the Holy Spirit using three words that you'll probably never forget. The Holy Spirit works in the act of salvation. Everyone say salvation. There's never been a sinner. Ever. There's never been a sinner that woke up one morning and said, I'm a sinner in and of himself or herself. A sinner always comes to the realization that they're a sinner because the Holy Spirit is pulling at their heart and the goodness of God brings them to the revelation that they are lost and need a Savior. A sinner never recognizes light. He only recognizes darkness. But when the light hits them, they respond to the light with conviction. Is there, if, if there is anyone in this room, I know I'm one, but if there's anyone in this room that you've ever given your life to Jesus Christ in salvation by the work of his grace, the reason that it happened in you was because the Holy Spirit led you to that place of repentance. And your eyes were opened. That is the indwelling, the work of the, with the, the, the Holy Spirit within you. You might say, well, how did it get in there? Where did it come from? Who, what, what's going on? When you took your first breath of life out of your mom's womb, the creator God breathed into you a measure of faith to be able to believe for salvation. He's not willing that anyone be lost. So he built you. He created you with the capacity to believe in a savior. He never once has created a human being that was doomed and destined for hell. He created every single person that you'll ever know with the ability to believe. So how do they get to that point? They get to that point when the Holy Spirit gets them tender and they come to a place. I'll say it this way, almost like the prodigal. Where you come to your senses, and you have a moment of sobriety, and you have a moment of understanding, and you realize, I need a Savior. Is there anyone in the house that remembers the day that you realized you you needed a Savior? Well, I want to build faith in this room today. That could be today for you. When your eyes are open to the fact you can't buy your way saved, you can't think your way saved, you can't be born into it from your mother's genealogy and DNA, you can't work your way into it. It's a matter of faith in the saving grace of God. And you might be fearful today that you don't have that faith. But I got good news. Jesus has placed that faith in you. You just need to activate the faith in you and believe God into salvation. And that's a work of the Holy Spirit. Everyone say salvation. But here's where the fun starts. The work of the Holy Spirit is in sanctification. Now everybody say, "Uh uh-oh. Because salvation requires nothing of you other than your faith in the saving grace of God. But now the work starts. You don't have to work to be saved. I don't care what your grandmother told you. That's not true. You don't work to be saved. You know God instantly. It's a work of his grace. But if you're ever going to find freedom, the work of the Holy Spirit that's within you is going to sanctify you. So let me just have a little fun. You can laugh if you want to. But now that you have believed and somebody offers you to fire something up and put it in your mouth, the Holy Ghost is going to say, I wouldn't do it. If somebody slides you something across a bar, the Holy Ghost is going to say, you sure you want to do it? When she winks at you, but yet you're married, the Holy Ghost. Somebody say, the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. Now say it with some swag. The Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. is going to say, you married. <laughs> One of the aspects, the works of the Holy Ghost is sanctifying you, it's cleansing you working on the inside to try to make the outside just a little bit better. The Holy Ghost is going to sanctify you. You're going to want to steal. You're going to want to lie. You're going to want to cheat. You're going to want to have a temper tantrum. You're going to want to do all the things you did before you came into salvation. Because you now, you, God has taken you out of sin. But now the Holy Ghost is going to work on you to get the sin out of you. This is finding the freedom that the Holy Ghost wants to sanctify you. That's why why you you all of a sudden on Monday, after a Sunday experience on Monday, when when somebody slams on their brakes on 35, you're like, I'm going to slap them in the... uh, uh, uh." Okay, Holy Ghost, I'm just going to give them a look like I give the sound, man. The Holy Ghost wants to sanctify you. But all of this that I'm talking about, this, this, this is not to be confused with the Holy Ghost and fire that happened in the book of Acts. you got to understand this. This is critical for some of you. Because you're either, you're, you're either a part of one of a few, few little different philosophies when it comes to the Holy Ghost. There's some of you that are in different denominational backgrounds. You come from different teachings. You come from different exposures. Some of you think that you can't even go to heaven unless you speak in tongues. Well, that sure nullifies the work of the cross. Good luck with that. Some of you think that some of you think that whole, you know speaking in tongues is of the devil. Well, you know, good luck with that. That's not true. There's several different approaches to this. I like the biblical approach better than I like your granddaddy's. And that is simply that it's not unto salvation. Salvation's handled at the blood of the Lamb. And the work of the Holy Spirit opening your eyes to the fact that you need to be covered by the blood of the Lamb or you won't be saved. John said, behold the Lamb of God that comes to take away the sin of the world. But it's also the Holy Ghost that's going to sanctify you. And it's going to convict you. Not condemn. But it's going to convict you. It's going to pull you closer to the cross. And to your faith. But then... There's the work of the Holy Ghost when it comes to service, salvation, sanctification, and service. You'll never be at your maximum potential in the ministry of the gospel apart from the infilling, not the indwelling, but the infilling of the upon baptism with fire. Because it's that fire that's taken like a match around the world, and it's a consuming Now, just for fun, some of you come from so many different backgrounds, I thought thought we would have a little fun with this. So, um, all my Lutheran friends in the room, how many Lutherans does it take to change a light bulb? Well, there's some kind of question here, but we have it on good authority that they've appointed a committee to study the issue and report back at their next fellowship meeting. How How about my... How about my Catholic friends? Boy, I can't wait for the 11:30. They're going to get tickled on this one. How many Catholic does it take to change a light bulb? None. They love candles. <laughs> All my Episcopalian friends of Calvary Church, we welcome you today. How many Episcopalians does it take to change a light bulb? Ten. It takes 10. One actually to change the bulb, and nine to say how much they like the old one. <laughs> Y'all are laughing but I'm coming to you, I'm getting to you. How many Baptists does it take to change a light bulb? Change? Change? Don't laugh, I'm coming to you. How many Charismatics does it take to change a light bulb? Only one, because their hands are already up. Don't worry, I'm coming to you. How many Pentecostals does it take to change a light bulb? Well, it takes 10, one to change the light bulb, and nine to pray against the spirit of darkness. You ready for this? How many Amish does it take to change a light bulb? A light bulb? <laughs> What's a light bulb? Hang in here with me now. Watch this. Here's what you got to understand. These folks were believers. The disciples were believers. They had already had the regenerative work of the Holy Spirit. And now they've been told, you get to Jerusalem and wait for Pentecost to fully come. Let it be complete. Let that 50-day mark happen. And you're going to be endued with power to continue the work that I've started. Well, how have you done the work? Well, do you not remember at my baptism the Holy Ghost came upon me? And that's when everything started for me. And it's going to start for you. This church operates from this core mission. We exist to teach and preach and lead people to know God. That is a work of God's grace. We teach and lead people to find freedom. That's a work of sanctification. It's going to happen for you in small groups. It's going to happen for you when you allow the Holy Spirit to convict you, but you respond to the conviction. If you ignore the conviction, you're just frustrating the grace of God. And here's where we exist as well. We exist to help people find their purpose and make a difference. Now, let me tell you how that looked in the book of Acts. Here's our series. The first thing that happened was Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 is a phenomenal piece of Scripture why it's so critical is these, this is when the Holy Ghost came upon the Jewish believers. And it changed everything. It changed, it changed history. Because the Jewish believers are now full of the Holy Ghost. And the Bible says the fire got so deep in them and the fire was burning so hot for them that they could not stay quiet and there were 3000 people added to the church just pop, 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 they instantly had Here's a preacher's word. They instantly kickstarted revival. (laughs) I mean, they're running around. They're throwing away religion. They're they're not even worried about religion. They're just running around saying, Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. He's ascended to heaven. And and now we have another advocate with us. It's the Holy Ghost. Have have you believed? And it gets even crazier. The fire starts spreading. And not only do the Jewish believers receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, Acts chapter 2 but then we see in acts chapter 8 we see a whole nother account of scripture if you want to look at that acts chapter 8 i want to i want to flip over there real quick acts chapter 8 is is beautiful if you have your bibles or your or your or your bible app open <clears throat> acts chapter 8 verse number 14 acts 8:14 we have a whole nother people group these are samaritans And and the reason I'm taking my time to give you a little history here, I told you, this whole series is about education and experience. You need some education about this Holy Spirit, and you need the experience of it, okay? We've just covered the the, the people group of the Jewish believers, and now we got some Samaritans. In Acts 8, it says, now, verse number 14, now when the apostles, which were in Jerusalem, heard, they heard... That Samaria has heard the word of God now, and they received, they received the word of God. They've heard about Jesus and they've received Jesus. They sent Peter and John to do some pastoring. They went to pastor these new Jesus followers. Verse 15, who when they were come down, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost because of this. Verse 16. Because for as yet he was fallen upon none of them. Do you see that upon? That establishes the fact that what they have received, they have received the within indwelling work of the, of the regeneration of the Holy Spirit. But they've yet to experience the Holy Ghost with fire. How do we know that? Well, let's read on. That the Holy Ghost has yet come down upon them. Only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. They were baptized. That's water baptism. They were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Verse 17. Here it is. Then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. This is that second work of grace. Why? Because they needed the Samaritans to be a part of the army. To be a part of the church. To take the gospel around the world. The Jewish believers are doing it. Now the Samaritan people are doing it. Then we look into Acts 9, and we find this guy named Saul. Saul, you might remember him by the name of Paul, but before he ever was Paul, he was Saul. And it's critical you know the differences. Paul is this real cool guy that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, but before he ever did that, he used to kill Christians. Well, what changed in his life? First thing that changed was he came under the understanding he was a sinner and he needed a Savior and he gave his life to Jesus. And then God got a hold of a guy named Ananias. And he said, hey, Ananias, there's a, there's a gentleman I want you to go pray for that, that, that he might be filled with the Holy Ghost and fire. And Ananias said, sure, I love praying with people to receive the Holy Ghost fire. Who is it? His name's Saul. Not that Saul, right? The guy that kills Christians? Yeah, but his heart's been changed. Are you sure? Yeah. And Ananias went and he laid hands on Saul. And Saul received the Holy Ghost with fire. And, and Saul goes, um, um, Saul becomes Paul. And in 1 Corinthians 14, he says, man, when it happened to me, I, began, I I still, to this day, I speak in tongues more than anybody. He was just full of the fire. And we know that Paul changed history. Not, watch me, not real sure that would happen. Just by the work of salvation and sanctification. He had to be lit. He had to be lit up with something that was consuming fire. Now there's a certain generation around here, when I say lit, you get nervous. You think communion. I thought that was funnier than you. That's not the lit I'm referring to. I'm referring to being lit by the Holy Ghost. Where it comes on you and changes everything. Then Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10, just like it happened for the Jewish believers in Acts 2, and just like it happened for the Samaritan believers, now it's for the Gentiles. Woo-hoo! That's us! We get invited to the party! This is incredible. This is what happens. It's at a guy named Cornelius, and Cornelius, the house of these Gentiles, Holy Ghost came upon them. Now, this happened all in a moment. What happened with them is they went from being unbelievers to believers, so the work of salvation takes place, and instantly, the, the, the preacher's around the corner they were just like hey man we we might as well just go ahead and make it all happen for them right now we need to keep the fire burning so they led them to the holy ghost and fire as well spoken tongues there and then we get to acts 19 and we have another people group we have some folks out of ephesus and and these ephesians uh, we know in the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, that when they believed, it said, when you came into belief, it was sealed by the Holy Spirit. So there's that within, there's that indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But back to Acts 19, he said, did you, did you receive the Holy Ghost when you believed? He said, man, we believed, we're saved, but we haven't heard anything about a fire experience. And he said, well, let's seek it. And they received it as well. I'm taking my time this month to just lead this church and lead all my friends that are old friends and some of you are new friends. I'm trying to lead you through the core. Some of you have never come to know God and salvation and that's why we do what we do. Some of you are in the process of sanctification. You're just working through some things and that's why we do what we do. But can I lead you to something else? It's to the service of the gospel. And I know what the enemy's going to tell you. The enemy's going to tell you everything of, you don't know, if, you don't know anything about the Bible. You, you, you don't know how to sing. You don't know how to play. Forget all that. When you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, with the opponent in filling, it's the game changer that equips you greater than you are of yourself. Listen to me. Paul wasn't all that when he was sold. But it all changed when the fire came on him. And I'm looking into a 10 o'clock service that you have a lot of good about you. A lot of you are savvy, sharp, incredible men and women and students. But can I tell you there's another level. And I know some of you fight the next level because of fear of what maybe... Maybe your perception of things is, can I just tell you something? You'll never know what God has for you until you simply receive what he's offering. And I'm about to go baptize my friend real quick. By the way, was there anybody else that wanted to be baptized today? No pressure. I'm just asking. Anybody been considering it? You want today's your day? No? Okay. I close with this, and we're going to worship. Hang in here with me for a second. Watch this now. Next Sunday. Next Sunday. It's July 28th. At the 1130 service. Next Sunday. I'm going to create that service. For anybody a part of Calvary. You've given your life to Jesus. You're a born again believer. Because that's critical. Because some people say. Well you know. The Holy Ghost and fire, that's not for everybody. You're, 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 you're absolutely correct. It's not for everybody. It's for the believer. It's for those that have already come into salvation. And you're in that process of, of, of finding freedom. You're right. It's not for everybody. You can never receive the oil of the Spirit until you've come through the blood of the Lamb. You can't get to the book of Acts chapter 2 without going by Calvary's cross. So for those that are born again believers... If you've you've gotten to a place in your faith that you want something new, something more, it's not going to make you more spiritual. God forbid. Don't come in here with that. It's not going to make you more special. It's just going to equip you to be greater at spreading the gospel. And if you find yourself at a point where you're ready for that, next Sunday in the 1130, we're going to create the environment of faith For anyone and everyone that you just think you're ready, ready, you've been thinking about it, you're ready to seek the baptism of the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And I make you this commitment as your pastor, and you hold me accountable. It will not be goofy, it will not be weird, because it's not. Trust me, I've been around that, and I ain't going there, because it's different. But this that I'm speaking of, it's a simple step of faith to say, God, I'm born again. And I know that I've been called to reach people for Jesus in the marketplace, at school, at home. And I need I need to be empowered, commissioned. I want to I change my world. And if it happens when the Holy Spirit comes upon me and I'm available so next Sunday feel free to come to your 10 o'clock and hang out with us at the 11 or just come to the eleven thirty. it's not gonna be long not gonna not gonna just hang out not none of that just gonna make a simple appeal it's gonna be a step of faith and we're gonna believe God to change your life forever just as he did with Jesus his ministry and just as he did with the, the apostles' ministry, you too have a ministry. There's people that need you, and the Holy Spirit will use you to reach them. Now, I've got to be quick, so let's all stand.